Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out Okay, so it's uh, it's Spotify Wrapped Week, fellas, and and as we discussed, let's hear your your top five artists if you want to throw them out there. Anthony, we'll start with you. You're you're the guest. It's gonna be really really embarrassing for me to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's what we're here for. So my my Spotify is completely thrown off, and there's a reason for that. Once or twice a week, I teach boxing classes at a local cardio boxing gym and i use nice. my spotify for the playlists that we box to right okay. so my number one song and i like i cannot be more embarrassed about this as somebody who considers themselves like a music head is starships by Nicki minaj okay and i, I it's, i'm so embarrassed to the point that i actually think <laughs> i actually think that spotify's algorithm is broken because it doesn't seem right like, my, my number one artist is The Grateful Dead, easily. That seems yeah. right. Number two, we talked about this last time, is Krungbin. Number three is Nicki Minaj. Makes no freaking sense whatsoever. Notorious B.I.G., number four, makes a ton of sense. I have a weird little thing that I do when I travel for work. I like to listen to Notorious B.I.G. to kind of, like, psych myself up and get myself into oh, the right sure. mindset. And then number five is Drake. So... I actually think that the Nicki Minaj and Drake thing is purely a result of teaching <laughs> teaching boxing to people that want to listen to pop rap. But I, I'm, okay, I'm, okay. I'm absolutely mortified. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I think that you have a good enough excuse to get past it. I, I'm not even sure what song that is. I'm sure I'd know it if I heard it. I hate the song. It. That's the worst part about it. It's like I'm not even putting it on my playlist. Yeah. I do not like the song at all. I hear a lot of Drake, but that's because of other people in my household, not Yeah, and me. you're not the only one. I mean, from this podcast, our Spotify is heavily tainted, but not quite in yeah, the direction of Nicki Minaj. <laughs> or Drake. <laughs> wait, wait, well, I think Neil and I can probably count off our top band <laughs> this year. Uh, let's do it in three, two, for one. Kings. For the Kings, yeah. <laughs> and I have, I have a reason for that. Not only did we did our band for the Kings come out with a new album this year, but we did a show without l- l- much rehearsal. And for me to get, to get ready for that show, I listened to the album a lot uh, and p- played along to it for probably like a month leading up to it. So pretty much all of my top five songs are from our album that we released, which is called Turn It Off, by the way, for, for the listeners. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Uh, Neil, is it the same for you? Yeah, there was, I think, out of the top five songs, three of them were For the Kings. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, we just uh, recorded that. When did we release it? Last spring. And if, uh, you know, if we're not going to listen, who is? (laughs) (laughs) That is a true statement. Although, the one song in my top five that wasn't a For the Kings song was obviously a pod song, and it was Tuesday's Gone by Skinner. Mm -hmm. Um, Not sure why that one, because I feel like I listen to all these about the same amount. But my, actually, my top five artists were For the Kings was one, and then Dylan, <laughs> and then the Beach Boys for some reason, and then Mom Wanted a Jacket, and then Fruit Bats. So Fruit other bats. than the Beach Boys, kind of makes sense for me. Yeah, my yeah, my top five, my number two was Dylan as well. <laughs> and my number three, Post Malone. Number four, Iron and Wine, wow. which I don't know how that happened. And num- number five, <laughs> The Cure, which also I love The Cure, but I'm not sure. I guess... Uh, the pod. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'll take that. I, I think that's a nice eclectic mix. I did like how they put, like, your musical taste match this town in the world. Did y'all see that? Yeah, mine, mine was Burlington, Vermont. <laughs> mine was, too. <laughs> mine was Bozeman, Montana. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> God, we this this podcast just got way too crunchy. Well, oh, it's been crunchy, dude. I will say, I am honored to be the most 
recent, newest, freshest follower of For the Kings. There we in go. In real time. Sweet. Like it. We like it. Love it. That, that's that's the, that's the type of following we need. We know who's going to be your top uh, band Bozeman, of 2024. Montana. Speaking of 2024, I, I know I, I, I told you I was going to mention this tonight, but I saw a headline today that Fish will be headlining the Sphere. Oh, no. In 2024. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, how am I going to get to <laughs> That that sounds that sounds great. Can you go to that show without some kind of hallucinogens? You can. <laughs> but would you? No, it makes no sense. Why would you go to a sphere to see fish and not at least microdose? But yeah, like that's... how do you know it's not too much? Because have you ever been to the sphere? I haven't. That's, the sphere is the hallucinogen, brother. Yeah, maybe you don't need it. Yeah, maybe you don't need yeah. it. Good point. Get deep. Yeah, you got to do a multi-night run just to check it out, yeah. just to gauge. Dip your toe in first and then go off the high dive. <laughs> then, then, then microdose and then just like three hits of acid for the third night. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find you in, in Calico, the ghost town of Calico, the, the following week. Uh, but my question was going to be, so you two, I know Fish, give me like another band you would like think would be perfect for the sphere from what we we've never been but we've seen all the clips and stuff um if i could pick anyone i think i would go with radiohead oh that's a good call. why as far as acts that, is... that are still prolific and just got some juice um they just that it holds a lot of weight and i think they would put together an amazing graphic package like they, they'd really like go all out there and you know a yeah. lot of my favorite bands they're they're probably too old or not around anymore. Well, well Anthony, who, who would you who would you say? Well, I mean, I have a couple answers. All right, let's I, hear I, Like first and foremost, I I think they're talking about doing a UFC fight there, and I know that's not music, but oh, wow. I just like yeah, I just want to see <laughs> the spectacle of what that is. But we'll leave that <laughs> oh, aside God. for another day. Current band, realistic scenario, maybe unrealistic, but I would love to see Krungbin there just because I love mm. Krungbin talked mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. it but they're a very to me they're a very visual act right like yes they're a soundscapey type of artist <clears throat> but yeah. because i'm a guest on this podcast i'm taking the liberty of going back in time and yeah. i would love to see pink floyd or yeah, well, the talking heads hmm. because those are two artists that i think would just yeah go absolutely wild in the sphere yeah that's yeah. a good call just because i think neil perfect with radiohead because they have the songs that are big enough for that venue and they have the visual Mm -hmm. effects already in their shows that they would do something super creative i think talking heads perfect floyd obviously i think is the is like the band yeah i wish they could get their shit together and just do it well one of them's dead but yeah you'd have to go like krung band would be awesome i just don't know if they're big enough for that venue i can dream <laughs> and in the same vein of a band like krung band but a little different just very groovy uh i think tame impala would be pretty fucking sick there Ta- yes tame impala would and they do the visuals and i think he's probably big enough to where he could carry that as well mm-hmm. like because i was thinking pearl jam but like pearl jam's not known for visuals or effects like you know you you could even say like guns and roses but you just kind of want to see them play music you're not really there to do that. Now, obviously, I would want to see Mom on a Jacket there. That's my band. They do great visual stuff. But again, I don't think they're big enough. So I'm going to go with a band that may fall in the Pearl Jam thing, but they're old enough, but they have enough songs, enough catalog. Is, is I think the Strokes would put on a really cool show. I think they could do some very creative stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know I thought about that. <laughs> None of us said corn. Why? <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I, I think they're in retirement. That's why uh, they've retired. Uh, <laughs> I think it's so funny. I think Billy's the only other person who's brought up corn on this pod. So, <laughs> oh man, He's, well that's the second most embarrassing thing that's happened on this podcast, and we're only twenty minutes in. Okay. Um, well, on that note, uh, you are listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you, and this week uh, we were talking about creativity because this week we were talking about the Patty Smith Group. And their song, Because the Night, from the 1978 album Easter, written by Bruce Springsteen and Patti Smith and produced by Jimmy Iovine and released on Arisa. Because the night belongs to love. 
yeah, I want to discuss this song because I, I kind of gathered some of the backstory of how it came to be and, and, and how it was written and who was involved. But I realized this week that I honestly don't know if I grew up on this version or the 10,000 Maniacs live version. Mm, I think we all <laughs> realize that. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I do think after doing so many, you know, almost 150 songs on this podcast that, like, rock and roll in the 70s was the peak of the sound of rock and roll. And this song sounds so fucking good. It, it's not a perfect song. But it's got that epic build that I love in rock and roll. It's a very big sound. It's a perfectly crafted song. It's all passion, emotion. The lyric is really poetic. It does what good art does, which is it puts you in a specific mood or takes you to a certain place or a feeling. It does feel in this song that like it's a passion that burns quickly, but it really delivers on that passion and the desire and the sex. And, you know, this is just a great example of a song. Anthony, Neil, and I talk a lot. Is it a better song or performance? But this is a great example of, like, the song and the performance being equally great. Josh, you finally did it. I feel like you've been teasing this song for two years now. <laughs> like, I think every other week you're like, ah, should we do Because of the Night? So um, I'm glad you finally picked it. And just a funny story, I think only like two months ago, I shared a train with Patti Smith. Not shared, like not like we sat together, but <laughs> I was going from D.C. to New York on a train. I was with my boy and my wife. Yeah, it was just funny. I mean, I looked right behind us in line, and it was Patti Smith and like a couple of her friends. Yeah, it was just a cool moment. It's like, huh, that is that is crazy. But back to the song, I dig it, man. I The song, I mean, just the way it starts is so cool. And yeah. that piano arpeggio... It's so simple, but so effective. It's like the same line over and over again, and then it just ends on a different note back and forth. It's really cool. I never realized just how aggressive the chorus is. They're <laughs> beating the shit out of those drums and yelling because the night. I, I would never have picked this song. I, I really like it, and it's just it's very unique. It's like there's something, there's something about it, and I think it has to do with uh, who wrote it and just kind of her unique voice. And uh, I think to sum it up, I like all the parts, I think, more than the whole song. Like, there's, like, certain parts, like the piano I mentioned, the bridge is really cool, and just just a lot of the stuff that's going on is super, super cool. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to hear me, to hear you guys say that it's been in the back of your mind for a while, right? Like, you, you knew it was <laughs> yeah. going to happen at some time on the pod, but now it comes up. I don't, I, I don't really know you guys. Like, I, we got connected through friends. And it's yep. been weird because I knew the premise of this podcast. And going into this, I've been thinking about what song am I going to pick. And I was going <laughs> to pick a David Bowie song. But Neil picked a David Bowie song. And then I was going to pick a Bruce Springsteen song. And then you picked Patti Smith vis-a-vis Bruce Springsteen. And I've been, on, I've been on a big kick of Bruce because I saw him at Wrigley Field in August. And nice. I'm going to be honest. I've always known the Patti Smith song. I never realized it was a, written by Bruce Springsteen. So when it, he played it live, I was like, oh, my God, Patti Smith cover. But then this whole thing came up. <laughs> I just – I love this freaking song. I, I could listen to it on repeat. It's like one of those yes. songs that doesn't get old to me. It's such a good mix of, like, the 80s sound. Like, you want to see the music video, and it's got that, like, hazy, weird vibe to it. And I, I don't mm-hmm. think there is a music video. But you know what I mean? Like, the 80s look of a music video, it's there in the sound. But it's also, like, it's rock, man. Oh, yeah. It's a lady with big big shoulder pads, big hair. But, like, under the shoulder pads, she's got a big snake tattoo or something. I I love (laughs) it. I can't get enough. Let's just get into it. Neil, you mentioned, I mean, my favorite part of the song, and I think it combines everything that you want, is it starts out with those that piano arpeggio. It's so quiet. Even, like, her Mm -hmm. first vocal line is so quiet and sexual take me now baby here is and then when they do when they get to the come the come on now i mean it just go it hits so hard when when it goes to that pre-chorus and then it just kind of builds to the to the refrain can't hurt you now can't hurt you now and then they return to the one it's like because the night and the drums really take over I feel like right there. And in all three of those things, you have the things we mentioned. You have the really sexy, like, poetic lyric that she provides. Musically, it's all Springsteen. I mean, like, he had the 
I mean, mm-hmm. he wrote the the melody and, and the and the music for the song. We talked about numerous times how Islands in the Stream was a the Bee Gees wrote it, and like you, if you didn't know that, and then you know it, and then you listen to it, you're like, oh my god, of course, it's a fucking Bee Gees song. This is like what this is how they write songs, and the, it's the same with this. It's got the piano, and it's got the big drums, and then the Jimmy Iovine sound comes in with like that kind of wall of sound, boom, 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 and it's just everything right there from the 60s to, you know, 1980 is just right there in, in this song. Like you said, Neil, the, the 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 parts are better than the song, but I I do feel like the parts just work perfectly together. Yeah, they do. I and the only reason I say that, I just think I get a little bored in the verse. I love the piano part, and I do like the dynamics. I like how it goes from quiet to the melodic pre-chorus, and then it just to the thunder of the chorus. But yeah, I mean, I once once you hit the come on now through because the night, it's 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 really good. And like you said, you can really tell a master songwriter was behind that melody i think we talked about it even last week with david bowie he did that song twice but when this one when you have like a a legend write the song and then a legendary producer produce it and then a legendary singer with her kind of more hardcore band do this fucking bruce song i don't know you're you're setting yourself up for success it's a great concoction. Mm-hmm. It's a great rock and roll concoction because she's actually, I don't know, how, how much Patti Smith do you know? This. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, is that kind of the same? Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, this would have been Gun to My Head, the only Patti Smith song that I could have named. And I, I still think Gun to My Head, this is the only Patti Smith song I could name. I did listen to a little more of the catalog, but like, yeah. Okay. That's it. She, yeah. I mean, it, it's funny to to hear this song because if you know her, like I did, get into one of her albums back in college called Horses. She just, it's got some really good stuff on it. It's it's if you go to Spotify, none of those the Horses songs are like top five, but Horses is just a really cool album in general. Mm-hmm. There's some really good songs on there, but she, for the most part, even if you listen to this album, it's very artsy and very like there's a lot of spoken word put into a lot of her stuff, but it's also very like you said, Neil, like it's not a hardcore band but it's it's pretty like on the verge of being punk without being punk like it's it's a rock and roll band i mean it's bass drums mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's some keys and good like guitars mm-hmm. and even, even to the point of like i didn't remember there's kind of a ripping guitar solo in the song until i listened to yeah it. i wanted more from the guitar <laughs> solo it it definitely works uh it's it's definitely a nice it it doesn't rub me the wrong way it's just kind of it's it's kind of back in the mix a little bit it doesn't shine, but it, it totally works. It, it it is rocking and it works for the did song. Did you tell Did you tell but Patty that know. on the train that listen? I love that song. <laughs> Guitar solo. Listen, just listen. Like a little more. I like Patty. I like all the parts. I like all the parts. But when you put them together, <laughs> I'm not gonna put it on a mix. Little volume wouldn't have killed you. <laughs> okay, here's why I think you say that, and this is one of the things that stuck out to me about the song this week, especially in Bruce's version. They, they have that guitar solo, and then it goes into the bridge, which the bridge is probably my least favorite part of the song. That's just so Springsteen. Yeah, it is. It is. That's why I like it. I love it. Because it, kind of, it kind of swings. But yeah, it almost sounds like another Springsteen song. Yeah, it's it's like an insert of another Springsteen song into this song. I'm, I'm picking nits here, but like, you know how they get back into it with like a can't touch you now can't touch you now they kind of end up back there and honestly the best bridge version is in that 10,000 maniacs version of the song and for some reason that one hits a little harder than this one or the or the Springsteen yeah and even in the 10,000 maniacs when the violin solo came in I was like there we go there it is that's what I wanted it is, it is very good in there, too. They, that, that is an exceptional cover, but, but a little early to get under the covers right now. Let's talk about the lyric for a second. I couldn't find this for real, but I think Springsteen, so supposedly on his demo, he just had the music and he had the because the night belonged to the... It just sounds like he's mumbling. You know, mm-hmm. and he had because of the night. 
I think one of the cool things about the, one of the things that makes this such a good concoction is her lyric is just very sensual. And that's not something you get from Springsteen. Spring, Springsteen always has the passion, but like she brings sex and desire into the song that would be lacking if he recorded it and released it. But you, so let's back this up, Josh. You don't like the bridge. I didn't say I didn't like the bridge. I think <laughs> I think the bridge is fine. I think it's the weakest part of the song because it does like when you know that Springsteen wrote it, uh, it really brings you into a Springsteen state of mind, which I'm I'm, I'm okay with, but it takes me out of the song a but little bit. So did it before you knew he wrote it. I respect your opinion, Josh. <laughs> okay. But the <laughs> That's thing fine. the thing that I like most about this song, this this is now two episodes in a row. That I'm on the F sharp. This is like my favorite yeah. thing about it. And I, <laughs> hi, it's Anthony, your amateur music theorist. But that, the F sharp in this song is like the biggest tension in the whole song. And even though I agree, the bridge is very Springsteen-y, it ends on that touch me now. And that I, that's like my favorite part of the whole song is that I, that F sharp holds all that tension. Mm-hmm, and it's, it's mm-hmm. right there, I mean, and then it's like, boom, right back into the, because the night. I love it. I'm, I'm in complete agreement there. That F sharp is is, is huge. Like, I, I think that's, and this is a minor, so that that would be the, you're going to the five there. But they do it in the pre-course before. It's not just in the bridge. That That's how they take the, get the bridge to go back into the, to the chorus. So that part is great. That's where everything explodes because the night you know i mean that's the climax of the song i i completely agree yeah with you and there. i'm on your side i i think the bridge is great so i <laughs> i had a ton of fun diving into this song because i i always try to like unpack how this works and i'm not very good at it but last week we talked about that f sharp being a completely different chord function in the song where it's it's the the third that's typically minor but you make it major mm-hmm. to do a certain thing mm-hmm yeah, this song being in a minor key, it's the fifth, which is typically minor, and we make it major to do a completely different thing. But it's mm-hmm. still just like yeah. it's so sexy. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> that is the the meat of the song because really the rest of the song. I mean, yes, they go to the six when they go to the come on now, but then when they get back to that, because the verse and the chorus are the same progression. So they have to mix it up somehow, and that, and just with that one chord, that's how that's how they do it. Is that why this is so punk rock though? Like the verse, the chorus, the main scene, the main theme—they're all so simple and the same. It's three chords. Yeah. It's a simple progression, but it has those little bits of tension. Yeah, yeah. it's that in the chorus. I mean, just the the thundering chorus. Like, because without that, it wouldn't it wouldn't be too rocking. That's really but the chorus is all production, right? I mean, the chorus is because that's again the same progression as the verse, but that is all production. All right, we're gonna bring in these Ronette fucking like Wallace sound drums, and you know we're just it's gonna hit because it dun 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 dun. It's all about the the what do you call that, Neil? Staccato? Is that? Yeah, and it's I mean the dynamics of the chorus. I mean it must be fun to play. It feels like it's a lot of upstrokes, like dun 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. You know, it feels like it'd be fun to play. I haven't learned it yet, but well, even even the even the verse. I mean, you're moving from chord quickly. It's like dun 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 dun. I mean, it's all very punchy, mm-hmm. and she smooths out some of that with her with her vocal performance. So I'm gonna ask this question to you both because you're real musicians, and this is a selfish <laughs> question, but I couldn't figure out what that C chord does when you it's take my hand as the sun descends. They can't touch you now. Can't touch you now, but it's, it goes to a C B minor and F sharp. What is that C doing there? It, that, that to me is the part that sticks out the most about it, especially hearing it live. As I, I again, like I, I wasn't that familiar with the song. I had heard it multiple times, but I went to see Bruce. I was in like the sixth row at Wrigley Field. I don't know how I ended up mm. there. And I, I was having such a good time. My buddy Tim was like, oh, my God, they're playing Patti Smith. 
I couldn't figure <laughs> out. Like that's that's the part that stuck out to me is when it just like it comes out of nowhere, boom, they can't touch you now. And I I again, amateur music theorist, I can't figure out why they picked a C. Well, okay, so it so the can't touch you now is C and then back to B minor. I guess just so that's just one step up. I mean, that is super tension if it's just like hovering right above the one. It provides the song the like what you get, like let's say you hear Brown Sugar by the Stones. It's like, Brown Sugar, how come you taste so good? But the, the, the key there is the, I said, yeah, 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 whoo. Like that is the key. Part. Like Because the Night, like, like you said, Because the Night is a great hook. But the best part of the song is what leads you into that, and well, how and yeah. how the tension is 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 made is built to lead you into that from those yeah. chords and that line. Yeah, and what I was just saying with the super tension, if if they're coming right back to because the night on B, like you're just, it's setting you up. Your just ear wants it back on the one so bad, you know. It's just like can't touch you now, and then like when that comes in, that's why it's so fulfilling there. Explosive. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking though. diarrhea. Oh. So, they... <laughs> good one, Josh. It's <laughs> <laughs> all I can think of. It's the wine. I always thought this song said, "Because the night belongs to lovers, because the night belongs to us." Yeah. I feel like if Springsteen wrote the the lyric he had us twice and i feel like she changed it to lust yeah i mean again is that just what google says or is that what she really sings that's what she says if you listen to it closely she says lust and then us the second time through i never knew that until i read the lyrics it definitely makes the song more sultry it's a bold move well, the sultriness, though, I feel like y- y'all aren't giving enough creed to the take me now, baby, here as I am, pull me close, try and understand, desire is hunger, is the fire I breathe. And then the best line of the song is, love is a banquet on which we feed. Mm-hmm. Excellent, mm-hmm. excellent line. Love is a banquet on which we feed. And then the other thing, lyrically, I want to point out, because then she goes, come on now, try and understand the way I feel when I'm in your hand, which a lot of lyricists, I feel like, would say, hands. But, and I listen closely, mm-hmm. and she says hand. So it is kind of like I have you in the palm of my hand. Mm-hmm. It, it's, a, it's a nice play on words that's like very simple, but something that's just a really good writer is going to do just by removing that S. There's a lot of little subtleties tucked in there, too. In the last chorus, you know, they go through the whole thing, lovers, lust, lovers, us. Yep. There's, there's a little thing that they tuck in there. In the last chorus, she says, because tonight there are two lovers and i i picked that mm-hmm. up i was like ooh, the end like we're, we kind of come uh-huh. together so like it was a little lusty yeah. it was really sexy it was sultry and now we're we're here two <laughs> well it, it's a it's a siren song baby she's she's drawing you in and then by the end you're you're all in the tables have turned it's not somebody up above you it's you're both on the same page and then you know she follows that with if we believe in the night we trust. Although I'm gonna stand by I'm gonna stand by my this flame is burning fast. You know this is this mm-hmm, isn't making mm-hmm. it past like a couple weeks. There's too much passion. <laughs> yeah, but didn't she marry the guy she was talking about? <laughs> I have no idea. I, 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 did you? She did. Did you read about who this who this was about? Yeah, yeah, her uh, her then boyfriend in a band. Uh, he was in Detroit, uh, MC Five, maybe I don't know the band, but basically she was um, sitting. She had had the tape from Bruce, didn't listen to it, just was focused on writing her own stuff. And it was the '70s, so they could only afford to talk once a week <laughs> because they were broke yeah, rock and rollers. Long distance call, baby. Um, and he didn't call. Um, so she sat and wrote this song thinking of him. I mean, that's the line too. Um, what is the telephone? Love is a ring, the telephone. So she was waiting for him to call all night. And then apparently she finished the song and he finally called and it was probably, uh, probably a good night. Probably memorable night. (laughs) That's why she wrote the last chorus the way she did. The phone finally rang. (laughs) She, she went back in and scratched that. (laughs) The one line that dates the song. My one question, though, is they can't touch you now. Who? 
can't touch you now. Or is she just talking about him because he's not around? I would I would think it's either other people or yeah. the hey, hands off hands off my man they can't touch you that's a good question <laughs> or or if she's waiting on a phone call and he's not there in person you know they can't touch you now but they could if you were here you know I I, I don't know I mean maybe we're probably uh, getting a little yeah. too I think too, it's too, probably too, just too like into it. the royal they, you know, la gente. They, mm-hmm. if you're with me, my love is protective and nobody can hurt you. Yeah, they can't touch yeah. us. Yeah. a little bit i mean it is a very cool backstory of where springsteen was recording darkness on the edge of town he had this song they recorded it basically music and him mumbling and then iovine had engineered with landau i think landau produced his first couple and iovine was an engineer and then he was working on darkness at the edge of town and this was his first producer title was the patty smith record and he's like I, we need a hit and he like mm-hmm. asked Springsteen to give him that song, and Springsteen was like, "She can do it, you know, do it." I apparently this song launched Iovine's career, his illustrious career. So, well, yeah, I mean, it 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 has the staple from the wall that wall of sound, Spectre, to what to Springsteen to Iovine, because then you kind of hear this in things he produced, like especially Refugee by Petty. Like mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. he wants to get he wants to make it big. When it hits, mm-hmm. he wants to hit it big. And he really does in this song, and it works to great effect. Yeah, which is funny, because a lot of good producers, they're known for just making it big, making it loud, using a ton of instruments. It seems pretty straightforward. It seems like a good recipe. I don't know why everyone doesn't just do that. So, <laughs> don't but I worry. think, if I, I might be wrong, but I think at this point, Iovine was in some sort of like tech role. Like He wasn't the full-on producer. And let's let's think about this. 1978, Bruce Springsteen had already become relatively yeah. prolific. Just a, a quick list of hits that he had already released: "Blinded by the Light," "Spirit in the Night," Fourth of July," "Asbury Park," "Rosalita," "Thunder Road," "10th Avenue Freeze Out," "Backstreets," "Born to Run," "Jungle Land," all before releasing "Darkness on the Edge of Town," which he is now writing. Oof. And yeah. he's like he's like at the height of his is prolificness a word? He's he's in he is in a groove of songwriting because on Darkness of the Edge of Town, he's got Badlands, The Promised Land, Prove It All Night, and there was yeah. there was songs that didn't even make that album that they put on the river, and he it was almost like Bruce Spring, Springsteen was like. I don't have time for this. Like, I, I think there's something here. <laughs> if Patty can do it, just give it to Patty. Great. She's awesome. Yeah. I, I love her. Give her give her that piece of shit. And Ivine's like, great. I'm going to take it. And, and she makes it a hit. And it's so it's it crazy to it. think of, like, the legacy that comes from this one song. And Ivine will say, like, this was the seminal moment of my career. We yeah. wouldn't have mm-hmm. Beast headphones without this. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have Dr. Dre without this. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but the, when, <laughs> when I said song and performance, I mean, this song charted at 13 with Patti Smith. It charted again with 10,000 Maniacs at number 11, which was even higher. Like, the song is so good. But, her, you know, her yeah. performance and the production on this, like, it, it is just, like, the combination of all three. Because her vocal performance is so sexual to, like, it's it's borderline camp at some points, but she doesn't mm-hmm, cross the mm-hmm. line, and it's just it's delivered perfectly. She's tiptoeing. Per- she's tiptoeing. Yeah. Oh yeah, she she's she she's getting getting close to the edge there, especially like um, well the camp comes a little in the male background vocal, like they could have dialed that mm-hmm. back because the night, like <laughs> yeah <is>. yeah, <laughs> well the, yeah I mean that's I I never noticed the aggression the the chorus is so like staccato and aggressive it's just uh, just people yelling and banging the shit out of drums but real quick uh anthony back to what you were saying yes i mean bruce is amazing and i think you're right he didn't know what to do with the verses but i read that a little just a quote from him when he first heard it on the radio he's just like god damn that's a good chorus (laughs) (laughs) thank god someone did something with it i i think that's a little bit of a a testament to um 
Bruce Springsteen though as a songwriter because it's not it's not the only example in his career where he's brought other artists along. And he's I will, mm-hmm. blinded it. by the light was a Manfred Mann. No kidding, but it was on it was on the uh, his his first album, the Greetings from really? Asbury yeah. Park. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but who but wrote the, it? The, the, he wrote it or Man for Man? He wrote it. He wrote it. He wrote it. He wrote it. But the one that you know is Man yeah, for Man's version. Yeah, the one you know, version. but he did record it. Okay. I, I've just never heard that recording. I, I knew he wrote it. I think the only one I've heard is, is Man for Man. But well, and yeah, he, says, me, he says deuce in his version. He doesn't say douche. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay. Um, we should list the other members. I mean, Patti Smith had a pretty, like, consistent band which was made up of Lenny K on bass and Stratocaster and JD Doherty on drums and percussion and Ivan Crawl on uh bass vocals and Les Paul and Bruce Bodie on keys and synth. Neil, do you know what guitar they're playing in that solo? Is that a Strat or a Les Paul? Or I mean, she's actually like... credited with a duo sonic guitar on the album, but it sounded like a Les Paul. It wasn't a Strat, I don't think. So we'll say that Ivan Crawl played the guitar solo that Neil was unimpressed with. Definitively, yes. <laughs> On a gold top, Les Paul. <laughs> so we're all in agreement the best part of the song is the can't touch is now, can't touch is now. Yeah. Yeah, the bum, 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 bum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Little, little fun fact. Uh, it's number 358 on Rolling Stone's top 500 songs. All right. So that, that's going to bring us to the vibe time portion of this podcast. So, Anthony, you ready to bring us into the vibe time again? Are you ready for me to bring you into the vibe time again? I am. Anthony, bring us into the vibe time in three, two, one. Close close your eyes with me. Closed. It's 1982. We're in some <laughs> dark, smoky bar, like a nightclub. We're in Malibu. It was still cool to smoke cigarettes back then, so we're, we're smoking cigarettes Absolutely. with camels because Marlboro, a little too cowboy. Yeah. Uh, Neil loves that. In in walks this oh, yeah. this stereotypical blonde bombshell. Like we're thinking, Christy Brinkley, Holiday Road. What's up, Clark Griswold? Christmas time is coming. <laughs> oh, we know. Yeah, we save know. the neck for me. So she gives you the classic. Hey, you want to get out of here? We hop into my convertible, cruise the highway, all night. Oh yeah. So it's like basically just like a shitty commercial from the eighties or nineties. But I'm into it. That's our. Vibe. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I like it. Okay, okay. All right, it's it's my songs. I'm gonna start this one off. Uh, I want to hear this song, obviously at night, because that's the vibe we set. And I'm gonna go like a modern take on like Ubering home from a party or a dinner with a lady, and we're just making out in the back seat like it's a cab in late '70s New York. That's, and this song is playing on the radio, and we're just getting into it, and the Uber driver can just deal. He knows where he's got. He's got, he's got ways or whatever he's using to get us home. Nice. We may get handsy. I don't know. Uh, Anthony, yeah. what about you? When specifically do you want to hear this song? I mean, I want to hear it in that bar in 1982. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or every day in my life. Like this is a song. That I, I literally do. Ask I don't know answer. why. I don't get tired of this song. It's, I didn't get tired of it this week. I listened to it a lot this week, and it was it did not get old. So I, I agree with you there, Neil. What uh, what about you? Um, we're we're all on the same page here. I mean, since me and the wife uh, have so few date nights, I think uh, next time we uh, have a night alone together, I'll definitely put this on the mix. Hell yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, speaking of uh, being out at night in a bar smoking camels. Uh, let's slide under the influence here. Talk about the influences. Neil, what, uh, what you got? Well, just the way it starts so dramatic and has a big chorus, it really reminds me of a lot of the 80s, I Need a Hero, Warrior, Edge of Seventeen, like a lot uh, of just kind of like the yeah. really soft dramatic into a big chorus. And there's something about it also that reminds me of um, Jefferson Starship. Like it huh. almost feels like a, we built this city. Like just there's <laughs> something about it. I mean, it's completely different, but, but you know, I think you guys can hear Who that. Who plays the hoopla? Uh, <laughs> Anthony, what about you? What do you hear in this song? Well, I, you know, I, I try to do a little research on this, and I came across something. Nice. I, just, I thought it was a little funny, so I'll start with this one. I saw a comparison to the opening piano arpeggio. We, we, we talked about that. Comparing it to the 
Papa Roach Last Resort. <laughs> I thought that I just thought it was hilarious because it's like it's basically just an arpeggio, but it's funny. Um, I brought up that song a couple episodes ago, and Neil Neil was like, "Stop talking about Papa Roach." <laughs> but it, it's like it's a couple things, right? Like you can think about the influence that this had on music in general, just because love him, hate him, indifferent to him. It kind of did make Jimmy Iovine. Yep. But from the punk rock standpoint, Patty's nickname apparently is the Punk Poet Laureate. And I, I didn't know a oh, ton yeah. about her, her career, but listening to some of her other songs, you actually you do get that. She was a poet. Not in the sense of like her lyrics were so creative and innovative that she's a Walt Whitman, but literally like the the rhyme rhythm cadence of some of her songs you said it earlier they're spoken word oh yeah and she was popular as the punk rock scene in new york and london were both coming up you blend that the whole counterculture controversy poetry's always been a forum to bring those things mm-hmm. to light she brings yeah. that into mainstream by having an accessible pop song and it, it just added to this momentum that the punk rock scene had. And I don't know a ton about Absolutely. punk rock, but I feel like this was pretty influential on, on bringing punk to the mainstream. I mean, this yep. definitely made her a lot of fucking money and and got her into the mainstream because she was definitely avant-garde poet. Like, she's written books and she's written poetry. Like, she's known now for, for that probably even more so than the music at this point. So... Yeah, apparently I mean, she wrote that, some killer children's books, which like my reading level, yeah. I might have to go hmm. read some of those. <laughs> <laughs> right in my wheelhouse. Uh, yeah. uh, um, I, you know, again, turner. I mentioned it earlier, but like just a lot of music. I mean, like the the Phil Spector, Springsteen, Jimmy Iovine, like that just evolution of the sound. I think it comes from there. I think moving forward, you're going like I hear some Annie Lennox in 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 her uh, mm-hmm. a little bit. I hear Slater Kenny, uh, and then more modern like a, a, an artist I like a lot is Sharon Van Etten. Like she has a lot of songs mm-hmm. that, that remind me of this. So definitely Neil, that was a great call. Like a lot of '80s songs by female artists really have this this kind of structure and idea behind them that, that that's very similar that's a that's a good call but i want it but it's curious again how much of that is springsteen how much of it is patty smith how much of it is jimmy ivy right kind of hard to tell but i do think that arpeggio the piano arpeggio and the chorus make the whole song like that's why it's it yes and that was bruce and the... that was bruce are we going okay. back to the F sharp though? Is that is that where we're going? <laughs> if you, it all goes back. There's a thing though. If you listen closely, when you get to that "Can't Hurt You Now," there's a little like chromatic thing that goes on where it's like "Bing, mm-hmm. Bing, 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 Bing," and it just oh yeah, adds mm-hmm. the whole sexiness of it. It's this is this song is so good. The chromatic sexiness. Chromatic sexiness. That's that's it chromatic sexiness yeah and there, there's the title right there um but, but the way she sings that her mouth is wide open it's get her tonight i mean she's yeah, yeah, yeah. she's the little thing in the back of her throat's really she uh, has a little bit of a unique vocal style though right like part of yeah for part sure. of the whole thing is like did she actually say belongs to us lust it's because of the way she sings like it, it's very front of the mouth and like yeah, it's awesome. It's very it's performative. There's a lot of drama yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, and very like breathy. Here is I am. <laughs> it's performative. Yes, and and speaking of performative and and breathy and uh, mouths mouthy, that's a perfect time to slide under the covers. Talk about the covers of the song. Anthony, we'll start off with you here. Give us a cover you heard that you liked or didn't like or stuck with you. Well, there's obviously the Bruce Springsteen cover. We talked ad nauseum about that. I think 10,000 Maniacs, you take that off the table. So we did a little dive. I found a cover by Father John Misty. I love Father John Misty. I was actually yeah, really yeah. disappointed by the cover because he just did oh, it. Oh, no. It, it uh, might, yeah, it it might as well perfect. have been carried. He has a great voice for it. But I, I, think, I think the version I'm going with, I don't really know this artist 
it's either coro or co dot ro. But you're going with the dance music? Well, it's an Italian dance music from like the early nineties. <laughs> I'm Italian. Dance music. And when you when you listen to the cover, it's like it is so just typical nineties. It might as well be on jock jams. It really is. And they yeah. did it they did it justice. <laughs> it's a little bit unique. That's the one thing. Oh, yeah. Most of the covers I found were very much like we're gonna cover the song, we're gonna play it as it was written and do Patty Smith justice and not try to do anything to it. This Coro, C O R O, whatever it is, hmm. they made it a little <laughs> bit of a twist, and they're Italian. Oh, I'm yeah. Italian, so that's what I'm going with. I, I I dig it. I listen to that one. It's a little. It kind of makes you think of Cher at that time a little bit. Right? It's super cheesy, but you know what goes better with cheese than mm-hmm. a little bit of gabagool? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Neil, what about you? What, what do you got? What do you hear? So the Bruce version, I'm not a, not. I didn't love it. I don't know. Did he yeah. just record it recently? Uh, it like was within on the that last ten years. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ironically, Bruce's version doesn't it lacks balls, which it's just like he doesn't do it the lacks, choruses. It big. lacks the sex. Yeah. <laughs> At least he threw yeah. a key change in there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he loves doing that. It was cool to revisit the 10,000 Maniacs version. I totally forgot about that. Um, great cover. Just a great cover. And I, I saw I saw a couple I clicked on where guys were trying to sing it. I mean, if you're not Bruce, just and especially with the Patty lyrics, do not. Do not. I, I, I warn you, do not cover the song. But the most fun I had looking for covers was finding a version of Patty Smith covering The Beds Are Burning by Midnight Oil. I don't even know that song, but... Sure. <laughs> yeah, you do. How can we sleep when our beds are burning? <laughs> I'll look you it up after that? this, Neil. I, I'm not saying your your vocal did not do it justice. I'm just saying I don't recognize it. The only one other one that I'll mention is there was one by Garbage and Screaming Females, which is like a '90s alt rock version, which is you know yeah. unnecessary. <laughs> but the guitar yeah, yeah, the guitar solo on that is pretty rippy. Yes. Yes. It, it once I, I listened to it until I was like, okay, they're probably gonna rip the solo, but just the rest of the song was it's just not, it's not what the song is. But we have so. we have some also Rans, Cas- oh, Cascada, yeah. who's famous for the Ugh. every time we touch. They did the German techno version of the Italian techno uh, yes. version. But yep. Yep. Night Riots has a very cool like alti version of the song. That's another ah, also ran. I know them. I'll, I'll listen to that one. I, I didn't hear Worth that one. Worth a listen. And then, well, there's one more I'm going to mention that's bad. It's it's by a band named Luke, L-U-C, and it's like a acoustic duet, and it's it's a hard pass. <laughs> it is a hard pass. Um, <laughs> but that's it. A lot of covers of this song. It's a great song. But uh, now we talk about how the shoe fits, and because this is my song, I am going to tell you how the shoe fits. I'm going to say this fits like a muck strap boot. It's like I'm dressing up to go out. It's nice. There's a little bit of flair. I want to be noticed. I want some passion. I want the boot to get kicked off later. I don't want to take them off when I walk into the to the house. You know, it's gonna. It, there's gonna be one shoe somewhere and one shoe another place. It's gonna. I'm gonna struggle to find it in the morning as I'm making <laughs> making my mad dash out of there. <laughs> Anthony, what about you? How's the shoe fit? Well, sticking with the theme of my 1982 Malibu Sultry Bar fantasy Mm -hmm. it's a stiletto it's seductive Ah. it's sexy sultry but most importantly it never goes out of style there you go i like how you pulled that together nice we don't use we don't use that enough neil what you got um i dig the song um the shoes fit but i think there's a classic barefoot song i'm not wearing any shoes you're not wearing any clothes yeah, yeah, there yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, perfect. So on that note, our cover of Patty Smith Group, Because the Night. Come on now, try and understand the way I feel 
touch you now, can't touch you now, can't touch you now. Because the night belongs to lovers, because the night belongs to lovers, because the night belongs to lovers, because the night belongs to us. circle turns and burns without you I cannot live forgive the yearning burden I believe it's time to real to feel so touch me now touch me now touch me now The cover you heard was performed by Josh Bond. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify or wherever you listen. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week is our guest Anthony's week. So, Anthony, what will we be discussing? We will be discussing pure rock and roll. We will be discussing a song from one of the greatest albums titles of all time you can tune a piano but you can't tune a fish roll with the changes by ario speedwagon can't wait